Church, good morning. It's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? Come on, let's clap. Man, how many of you feel good today? You feel all right? It's good to be in God's house and worship. And, and hey, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're, we're really glad that you're with us today. Everyone joining us for the first time online, welcome. We're glad that you're with us. And in addition to that, uh, a hello to our family at SCI Chester in partnership with God Behind Bars. Let's say hi to everybody this morning. Well, church, we have a lot going on in the, in the life of God's house here at True North, and I pray that you are, like so many other people, taking your next step, and um, just like all of us, when God doesn't force any of us to follow him. He doesn't force us to take next steps towards him, but through scripture, we learn that movement towards Jesus is what's encouraged, and, and so many of you have taken next steps. We've seen so many d- uh, decisions and baptisms. Today, um, Growth Track is happening. I think there's over 115 people signed up for that, which is wonderful. And so if you have yet to take Growth Track, make sure that you sign up for that for next month and that you're part of all that's happening. In addition to that, um, Masterclass actually for the summer session starts this Tuesday night. And um, there are hundreds of people signed up for those classes and it's not too late for you to be part of that. Um, so you can go online and there are, I believe, 10 courses, very uh, 10 classes um, throughout this summer session. Um, one uh, specific courses on each night, uh, on Tuesday night, and you could be part of that. So make sure that you go online, you check those out, and you sign up. It's not too late to do all of that. Does this sound good? And uh, in addition to all of those things that are happening today, we are starting a brand new um, conversation, a brand new series entitled Battle Lines. Battle Lines. Everybody say Battle Lines. (laughs) And uh, when we start talking about, I I always love to brief with our team and kind of just share with them what I believe the Lord's telling me, and, and, uh, and sometimes I know when I'm not clearly articulating something because I just get like the squinty eyes, kind of like, you know, and I'm like, no, you understand? And they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, we get it. I was like, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And, and so over the course of several months, I kept sharing like what I really believe the Lord wanted me to share. And, and so our team, the creative team has put together um, not only um, a cool devotional for you, but I believe... Uh, this new devotional that will be available for you as you exit today um, will help stir conversations in your home, um, in your walk with Jesus, and I believe it'll really help challenge you in many ways. Uh, As we begin today, this new conversation, I want to begin by explaining to you that as a church, we really believe wholeheartedly that we are in uh, a spiritual fight, in a spiritual war today, right now, and it's always awkward if you're in a fight and you don't know you're in a fight. Um, You know what I'm talking about? It's like, we laugh, we're like, I don't know, what do you mean? 
physically, it's, it's almost, it's like, it's like you turning on the television, watching um, two boxers come in and one's like just in sweats and no gloves on with a cup of coffee, you know, and the other person is, is ready to go. And you're like, what, what's, what's, what's going on here? This is ridiculous. This is a joke. It's a comedy sketch. You're like, you know, someone knows there's a fight. The other person apparently was never told, but they're in the ring. And that picture is the picture I get when I, see sometime, when I see believers sometimes ignorant of the spiritual fight that they're in. And there is a spiritual fight that each one of us are in, and it's incredibly important that you understand that. And it's not a spirit. I don't say that to you today to cause angst or nervousness or to cause an increase in anxiety in you. Some of you are like, come on, pastor, we're coming out of this seasons. Of, we are coming out of seasons of tension, but can I tell you that, that we may walk back into some other seasons of tension. And, and I don't want you to be ill-equipped to walk into seasons. I want you to be walking into seasons, not filled with fear, but filled with faith, ready and equipped to take on all that comes before you. Some of you, we need to stop thinking as if we just, in such a way that says, I just hope that I win. I just hope that we have to stop talking to ourselves that way because our Savior, our, our Christ has already won and we walk in the, in, in the, we walk in the confidence of the victory that he has won. And it's not about our victories. It's about his victory. And we fix our eyes on him. And though we walk through trials and tribulations and persecution and, and seasons of difficulty, we lift our eyes and say, hey, it's okay. Christ said in this world, we're going to have that. But take heart because he's overcome the world. And so we walk with confidence. We walk with victory, not because we're hoping that things get fixed. Some of us are living in anticipation of, of societal brokenness being restored. Our anticipation should be on the return of Christ. And our anticipation should be living in such a way that we believe he will return. Can somebody say amen? amen. And, so, and so all of our approach to identifying this spiritual fight is, is there is a, a war being waged that has started from the beginning of time, the beginning of creation. This isn't new. There are kingdoms, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of this world. We see the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. Evil versus good. Sin versus salvation. The apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in chapter six, verse 12, and he says, our struggle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You may be familiar with that passage of scripture, but sometimes we need to realize that the real issue that we have today presently is this spiritual battle that happens, that is this war that is being waged in our flesh and in the spiritual realm. And, very, and, and usually what happens is the people that become the object of, of focus are everyone that is around us that's causing us tension in the, in the physical realm. So it could be our, within our marriage or within our home or our jobs or society or whatever it may be. And we get so angry at the people that are around us. And the Apostle Paul says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not it. And so you may be like, well, I, I disagree. You need to come to my home and listen to my spouse. You know, the struggle is real. Okay. You're like, no, 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 no. You, you may have conflict and you might have frustration, but the truth is even in the daily conflict, it's. The real issue is you not being willing to die to yourself. 
and not just say, hey, if, if, if that's how you're going to treat me, that's fine, but I will not return the favor and treat you that way. And scripture teaches us how to walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And you cannot walk both roads at the same time. You, have, you must choose. He says, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Bible as a whole is really a book. The entire Bible is a book of spiritual warfare. It's the one constant that begins in Genesis and goes all the way to Revelation. And as we see in each event throughout the the word of God, we see this spiritual warfare that is present. And it actually began in the garden. I know that every time societal issues come up and there seems to be a new one every day and my mind has been over the last six or seven months always going back to the garden. And I was trying to explain this to the team and they helped me navigate my thoughts and clarify things, but all of our issues began in the garden. And if you and I don't have the ability to take back our mind to the place of the garden and understand where it all began to unravel. We'll never, never fully understand how we ended up in the quandary that we're in today. It began in the garden, and we need to know that as believers in Jesus. The world today is, is approaching the tension that we have in offering solutions. And though it's kind and it's usually interesting, the solutions that the world offers it's never related to the spiritual fight that us as, that we as believers are in and really the world, but they just do not know because they are blinded themselves by the sin that they walk in. Second Timothy 3.16, as we talked last week, it says that all scripture is God-breathed, all of it, meaning that it's able to teach us, to correct us, to train us up in righteousness and to enable us to fulfill all that God has called us and equipped us to, to accomplish. And as we go through the word of God, I, I wanna make sure that as we approach these stories in the Old Testament throughout this series, I, I just wanna make sure, and this is a challenge for me, I, I, wasn't, I usually plan how I'm gonna say each thing and this is the one I'm like, I don't even know how to plan this, so just go with me, okay? Uh, there are pockets of people in this audience in our family. There are those who, as we preach and teach, feel incredibly convicted about certain topics. And it's not because I know you. I know that people often say, Pastor Jesse always speaks right to me. It's not, because, it's not that I know your story well enough. It's that I speak the word of God and the Holy Spirit has a way of meeting you right where you are. And it makes it look that I'm like some, some, some eerie genius. I'm not. I'm preaching the word of God. And, it's, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in your moments of victory, in challenge, and in pain. The Holy Spirit does that, okay? And, and, and I know you think I'm great and all, but it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit that's, that's using me as a vessel to speak to you. But, but some of you are, are confronted and convicted with some, will be with some of the topics. I am. Some of them are very challenging. But it's how we're refined. It's how God makes us more holy. But I want to say this in a way that is honoring to God and in a place that we can actually help one another change before God. Now, this is the other thing. We do not change ourselves. This is not behavioral modification where we strive to do things for God. No, no, we acknowledge that I am dead to my sin. My, I am no longer a slave to sin. 
And every time those old desires and feelings and emotions come up, I'm not led by my feelings, though I acknowledge them. They do not make the final decision in my life. Christ determines who I am in my, in my totality, in everything. And so every time the world tells me, well, this is who you are because that's how you feel. No, that's not who I am. This is who I am because Christ is the one who made me and created me in his image. And so as we go through this, I recognize that there's a pocket of people that will be convicted. Then there's the pocket of people who have friends in, in, in their world, maybe in this church, who are, who are struggling in certain areas that we're going to talk about. And, and you're the person who's like, well, I don't, know how to open, I don't know how to talk about this topic. I don't want to offend people. I don't want to make people upset. I don't, I don't want people to get aggravated. And then there's the other pocket, and this pocket is the self-righteous person who just thinks, I have it all together, Pastor. I'm just here to help everybody. You know? and, and I get that. That's, uh, this is the thing. I'm okay with, with all of it because none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. And, and, and even the ones that think you are perfect, that's right, there's a space for you here too. And, 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 and this is what I know, all of us are on a journey and, and none of us can make the person next to us be humble. You just can't. You can't be like, I'm here to humble you. That's not scriptural. The Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord. And, and, and scripture teaches us that if we don't humble ourselves, God will. And, 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 and he is the one that leads us his patience and his kindness lead us to repentance. And it, it, arrogance and pride and self-righteousness standing around you saying you shouldn't do that does not lead you to repentance and drives you from it. The love of God pushes you towards it. And, and so I want us as a family as we go through this to recognize where you might stand. And some of you might say, well, I'm definitely not this. If you're saying that, you probably are. Um, but, and no, I'll admit, there's been seasons in my life that I've been standing here. I would look around and be like, well, you know, you're, you're, you're you know, sleeping in the bed you made by your bad decisions. Shame on you. And then you start to realize that, that you, are, you are that person. Maybe not in that same line of difficulty, but you have your own issues and you're struggling with them. So don't you dare cast light at someone else, but all of us should understand that in order for us to walk in a way, and this is why I love what David said. He says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, if you think about that, he, he's saying your word does that. Not my intellect, not my wisdom, not my strength, not my fighting ability, because he, he was a fighter at war, in war. Not all of his, his riches, not all that. He says, your word lights is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, we don't really think about it like, oh, that's such a cute verse. Um, we could put that on our fridge. And, and the thing is, think about it in your life, though. Think about you're surrounded. How many of you think that in society we can be surrounded by darkness? Surrounded by darkness. Without this, you're still walk, walking in darkness. This is the only thing in your life that can illuminate your path. And some of you, you're, you're perplexed as to why you're stumbling. I don't know why I keep tripping up. I, I could tell you why, but you need to see it. You need to recognize that when this is before you, it illuminates your path and enables you to take a step forward. And not only does that, but it illuminates that which is further out. And for many of us, we are walking in darkness, not because we've chosen per se to, I want to walk in darkness. It's because the word is absent in our lives. It's absent. As we go through these topics, I know some of you are like, man, I just, I don't know how to approach this person. I don't know how to say these things. And 
I pray that today is an introductory to this series, and tomorrow the devotional will begin, and as a family, we'll be reading through this together. I always think of this verse in Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there is a way that appears to be right. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. How do you talk to someone who you love who's walking down a path that appears to be right, but you know that it will lead to ultimate death. <laughs> Conversations with people who are far from God, who are living in, in, in deliberate sin before God, how do we approach people that? How do you do that without seeming self-righteous and seeming like you have it all together? Can I, can I help you very quickly in that is you, you ask the Holy Spirit to God and direct you. You ask the Holy Spirit, say, is this more about me or is it about them? How do I love them? How do I advise them? And you begin to pray for them fervently. You begin to seek God and say, God, how can I intercede in this? And just begin to believe that your prayers, the prayer of a righteous person, Scripture says, is powerful and effective. And it'll open opportunities for you to share the word of God with someone in the season that it can be received. <laughs> Only God can do that. But you continue to pray. And just like the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.16, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because the scripture says, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It says first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of it. Some of you, the, society, the, the oppression of society will have you feel ashamed that you believe in truth. Oh, I don't know if I can say that. It's the only thing that sets people free. It's the only thing. And in order for us to actually live a life that's pleasing to God, we cannot walk around and be ashamed of it. And in the same sense, we need to learn how to love people who are far from God. Can you say amen? I, I know no other place to start than really at the beginning in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 is when the serpent or Satan deceives Adam and Eve. And it's fascinating because... When you begin to read the text and you begin to see how the enemy approaches humanity, the same thing happens every single day, every single day in your life. And if I, I want to go through this and I want you to be sensitive to the subtleties as we read this. And even in your own, in your own journey, you can, you, can, you can dial the time back and say, man, I remember when I felt myself asking that same question questioning the authority of God. God sets boundaries. And the only thing that the enemy has been persistent in since the beginning of time is to question the boundaries that God has set. That's the only thing. Genesis chapter three, verse one through seven. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Just a question. Just a question. It seems on its face to be very innocent and insignificant, yet this very question is not only what led to the fall of Lucifer, but is also what leads to the fall of humanity to question the authority and the significance of God. Is his word final, or can we rewrite the lines? Can we reestablish the boundaries? 
God spoke boundaries into existence, yet the serpent or the enemy begins to question the definition and ultimately speaks confusion into Adam and Eve. They're perplexed. How many believers I've talked to that are just confused today? We're confused because we want to figure out an outcome that is not offensive to sin. Sin always leaves pain. It always leaves hurt and brokenness. It's the enemies. He's come to steal, to kill, and destroy. He is actually, this is what Jesus said with more accuracy, greater accuracy. He says he has come only to, only to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his only agenda. He doesn't come just to bother you and just to cause you anguish and fear. No, he comes only to steal that which God has given you to kill and to destroy the blessings that come from God alone. That's his only agenda. Another way of saying this, did God really define it that way? (laughs) The enemy was shrewd. He began to question God's boundaries and Eve started to wonder, maybe the boundaries aren't that big of a deal. (laughs) Maybe I can just reestablish the boundaries before God. Everything that God has defined, there is an attempt in our culture today to question that definition and change it to our own preference. As believers in Jesus, as it says in scripture that that I, I am dead to sin. I'm a new creation in Christ and I am dead to sin. Do you know how I read that often in my own life? That my preference died with my sin. It died with it. And I have to tell myself that because I shared with you a few weeks ago that my preference is often not something that's honorable and pleasing to God. It gratifies my own desires where if someone says something about our spiritual family or says something about you or my family, I often immediately want to react in such a way that is dishonoring to God. But I've died to my sin. I've died to my preferences in order that my life may be a living sacrifice to God. Redefining things. Our culture, this is not new to you, church. We've been talking about this for quite some time, but our culture has attempted to redefine everything under the sun, whether it is marriage, gender, sexuality, love, forgiveness, purpose, family, truth, eternity, you name it, the world has attempted to redefine it. In verse two, it says, the woman said to the serpent, this is what her response was to his question, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Now I, I can just, uh, listen, I was the, the child in the home where I was always pushing buttons and trying to figure out how I could, you know, how I could get my way. If they say, don't do that, I'm like, oh, I got to figure out how to do that. How do I do that? And what can I ask? And how can I go around it? And, and listen, uh, a man reaps what he sows. And so my children are the same way. And, and, um, <laughs> and, uh, and exactly the same way. And, and so I, I realized that even in reading that text where it's like, you know, God says we, we, can eat, we can eat from every tree except for the one in the middle. I'd probably be there. It's like, is that actually the middle, you know? <laughs> That's probably not the middle. If, if the middle, that one's probably the middle, we could probably eat that one. That's a, that's a good thing. We were just confused. We just didn't know. No, but the, the thing is, do you notice how that one question gives you the opportunity to throw confusion over the truth and then it permits you, it permits you 
The willingness. How many Christians in ignorance just go, oh, well, I mean, I just don't know. I mean, I guess it's just, it seems right. It seems right. But you know that you know that you know that there's clarity in the word of God and it provides for you the way to walk. You've chosen to, to deviate from God's plan. And the same is true here. The, the enemy says to her in verse four, he says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. My friends, the enemy is and has always been one to, to twist and to pervert the truth of God. He twists God's boundaries of protection for, for, for us. He told the woman it was better, it's a better option to, to rewrite your boundaries than to be obedient to God. But in this new pursuit, she would realize that in some ways she was not only being disobedient to God, but she was in, a, in essence becoming her own. The moment you look at the boundaries that God sets for your life and for my life, and you by, by your words or by your actions say to God, I don't care about those boundaries. And you might not say it that way, but your life has not been submitted to them. What you're saying is, God, I will write my own boundaries. And I need you to know something. Every time you discard the boundaries of God, you walk on treacherous ground on dangerous ground. You walk in sin apart from the blessing of God. Does it change his love towards you? No, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. So his love for you never changes. But he cannot bless disobedience. He loved Adam and Eve and gave them the free will to choose him or themselves. And everything was good until the enemy crept into their lives and began to question the authority of God. And today, church, that very thing happens. Everyone begins to question the authority of God. Did he really say, does it really matter if these people live together? Does it really matter if these people do this? Does it really matter if they say this or do this? Does it really matter? There will be consequences in deliberate action to defiance of God. And for me, my heart has never, ever been, and I pray that it never will be, to walk around and say, you're, you're all sinners. We're all sinners. There's nothing new. We all know we need God. My heart is so that people would no longer be deceived into walking in ways that in moments of today feel like it's right and they're gratifying and it's good. Walking down a path that seems right, but we know will only lead to death. And as believers, what do we do? We need to pray fervently, not only for our nation and for our family and for our friends, but for ourselves. That the word of God would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and would guide and direct us in all of our ways. And we need to be careful. Sometimes we, we become, we think like the world. And the world begins to lead us when we're supposed to lead the world. You know what's so fascinating is we go through moments of transition. When God establishes boundaries, we never jump completely to setting our own. We always walk through this ground of neutral territory. Have you noticed that? 
So if God establishes marriage between a man and a woman, we'll go through a season of, or a period of time where everyone disregards the significance of marriage. And people say, ah, that doesn't, whatever. Who cares? And then once you walk through the position of neutral territory, when you say, oh, what does it matter? Who cares about the boundaries? Then the world begins to establish their own. And they say, well, let's let marriage be made this way. And you could go through a list of everything. Gender, sexuality. You could go through a list of so many things and say, this is how the world, they always, trend, they always bring you to a place of neutrality to make it seem like, well, does it really matter? And you know what they're saying in that season? They're falsely giving, they're falsely empowering you to say, you choose. You choose, you know. You choose, you know. And, and the irony in that the irony in that is that they've already chosen. They've chosen themselves. They've chosen to be the Lord and Savior of their own lives. And that's why we, those who have surrendered our lives to Jesus, we are different. We, are, we must be different. We must walk differently. We must live differently. And some of you are like, man, I, Pastor, I, I don't know what you think I, or who you think I am. I'm not asking you for perfection. I'm asking you to stop striving in your, in your own strength. Especially some of the men here that are fathers of your home and businesses. Stop striving to fix everything. We're, we're not good enough in our own strength. We need Jesus. And maybe we need to be more vocal to God saying, God, I need you in everything. I need you at my job. I need you at my home. I need you in my attitude, in my emotions. I need you in everything. And as we lead, so others will follow. Scripture is, continues in verse 6 and 7, and it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, good for food, good for food, and it was pleasing to the eye, this is what pushed her over. The enemy comes with questions and confusion, but what the world offers usually tempts us in our flesh. It's good for food. Remember when Jesus was first led into the wilderness and tempted by the enemy? What is the first thing he said? Remember this? We talked about it a few weeks ago. He says, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus says to him, he says, man does not live on food and bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And the first thing the enemy did in the garden, the very first thing, is he tempted humanity with physical nourishment, food. And then he made it appealing to the eye. Appealing to the eye. <laughs> it says it was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for, ga for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. There will always be repercussions of replacing God's truth and definition with our own. Galatians 6-7 has been a verse that I've always had on replay. So, I, you know, we as believers, we recognize spiritual principles, but I think sometimes we just become ignorant of them, and that's why we need to be in the Word of God constantly. And we need to recognize that without Jesus in our every moments, we will not honor Him. We may feel good about ourselves and what we say, but we will not honor God. 
And I, I want us to be people that don't just honor God publicly, but we dishonor him privately. And I don't want us to just be people who honor him privately and are silent publicly, but may we be people who honor him quietly in the privacy of our homes, but honor him publicly in the marketplace and in society. Galatians 6, 7, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. This battle over definition and over truth and boundaries has existed for thousands of years. Some of you are like, man, this is a, a big fight that we've, we've, we've just stepped into. No, this has been going on for a long time. We've titled this series Battle Lines because that's really what it is. It's a battle over lines. For many of us, when we think of a battle line, we think of good versus evil, and that's the battle line right there. Can I present to you a different picture? It's as if God has this, this marker that, that can never be erased, <laughs> and he draws boundaries around things for our protection. Not for our displeasure, but for our protection. And he draws boundaries around them, whether it's pertaining to marriage, whether it's pertaining to sexuality, whatever it may be, pertaining to love and forgiveness and repentance. He, he, he draws boundary lines. And what we do in our humanity is we look at the boundaries that God has drawn for our lives and for our benefit, and we begin to question it. And we say, I, I just don't know. Maybe there's another way. And then we allow our feelings in society to, to, to add to it. And we say, well, I, you know what? I just don't know if I feel like that makes sense. <laughs> There's a way that seems right, but only leads to death. And so we come in and we try to erase, but we cannot erase the boundaries of God. So what we do, we just begin to draw new boundaries. We ignore the boundaries that God has set and we live beyond them. And can I tell you something? God does not force you to live within the boundaries of his, of his word. But just like a loving parent, they provide you boundaries because they love you more than you know. They care about you and they want what's best for you. So some of you, some of these topics, as I said, might be hard, challenging. But I want all of us to go back to the garden, metaphorically speaking, and ask ourselves, what did God say? What did he tell us? Some of you, your apathy to scripture has caused you to live a life to say, I don't think God has said anything about this, so I'll just keep doing it. No, God has spoken about everything under the sun, whether directly or indirectly within principles in the scripture. And sometimes it just makes us feel better about ourselves to say, well, I just really don't know. Can we not live in ignorance any, anymore? May we know what the word of God says and may we surrender our lives to, to his way. I remember early on, in my journey with Jesus, coming into church some, weeks, church some Sundays, and as soon as the pastor would say what he was speaking on, I'd, if it was an area that I wasn't struggling in, I'd be like, and like, I amen so much. I was like, amen, come on, amen. And then when, when he preached on something I was struggling with, I would like, you know, anyone know how to, how to distract themselves from like, you know, it's like, just, you know. And then I just feel like, hurry up, you know, finish up. And, and can I tell you, that's not the love of God, nor is it our heart. John 3, 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but rather to save it. God doesn't bring condemnation to you. He brings salvation to you. 
And the way he brings salvation is through the demonstration of his son. And it's by seeing him for who he is and recognizing that he is the only one that can save us in our sin. I'm telling you, we are living in an exceptional season. I get excited sometimes of all the generations that have gone before us and that will come after us. God cho chose you and he chose me to live in such a time as this. Can I encourage you, don't complain about this season. Recognize that you can be a Daniel. You, 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 can, be, you can be a light in the darkness. You can be a, a, a beacon of hope to people in your, in your marketplace, in your job, in your schools, in your home. <laughs> don't despise this day. Rejoice for it. 2 Corinthians 10.4 The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Church, I want you to know that you have been equipped with everything in God's arsenal <laughs> to win every fight and every battle. Some of you right now, you're trying to figure out how you begin conversations. There's people in your world, you're like, I need them to listen to this. Can I just, can you just begin to be fervent in prayer for them? Consistent in prayer. Pray for those in your, in your world. Can I, can I encourage you to pray for yourselves? Pray for yourselves. Pray that your heart is ready to receive. Pray that your heart, as we go through this, this series and, and really revealing truth, that, that your heart is positioned to receive from God. I have to tell you, every time I open the word, the word of God, I'm, it's humbling, it's, it, it's realigning, it's sometimes hard to, to read, but man, we serve a faithful God who is always willing to receive us when we ask for forgiveness. And he's faithful to forgive those who call upon his name. Listen, as we go through this, know that it's not just about you. As God refines you and stretches you and re redirects your path in holiness that you will lead other people in that way. I just need you to know that. Sometimes in our own obsession and our own ignorance, we don't realize we think it's all about us, but man, God uses our obedience to affect hundreds and thousands of people when we say yes to Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're watching online and maybe you've never started your journey with Jesus. I need some of you to know your journey with Jesus doesn't begin when you start attending church. That's, that's just the gathering of the saints. Your, your salvation is not purchased. It's not, it's not through like a card that you get after you take a class or a course. It's, it's not someone praying for you and you having no participation in the process, no salvation comes, as Romans 10, 9 says, that when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, the Bible says that then and only then will you be saved. Ephesians 2, 8, it says we are saved by grace through faith. By grace through faith. What is grace? It's unmerited favor. It's unmerited favor. Some of you hear me say this every single Sunday. Every single Sunday. And yet you question sometimes your salvation and you're confused about it. Some of you need to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. And every time those thoughts come into your mind and question, the Apostle Paul says, take every thought captive and hold it to the obedience of Christ. Some of you are getting beat up every way. You're getting punched in the face every single morning and you do nothing about it. You've become a victim in your own home. Man, that's where the word of God can give you life and strength and hope.
You are more than a conqueror. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. In our marriages, God teaches us to love and respect one another. For men, that we need to love our brides the way that Christ loved the church. That would be challenging enough, but he continues then and says, in such a way that we would give our lives for her. Church, if you're here today, maybe you brought a friend or you're here for the first time and you've never said yes to Jesus, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're joining us online, I'd love to lead you in this prayer of salvation to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. John 3, 16, it's our verse. I pray that it's in your spirit that you encourage yourself with this. This is the heart of our Father, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. <laughs> and I love that verse because it teaches us and it directs us that our movement towards God is not one out of condemnation or guilt, but it's one out of love. He draws us to himself. And if you're here today and you know that you need Jesus, that you've been far from God and that you don't serve him wholeheartedly, you serve yourself, it, I want you to say this prayer. It's not... It's a simple prayer, but it's a significant one. I just want you to walk with Jesus. I want you to know it's not about religion. It's not about gathering together and putting a, a picture of perfection on. It's not what this life is about. It's about walking with Jesus through trials and tribulations, being honest and vulnerable before him, doing biblical community with other believers and recognizing that he's called you to something significant, that in him you find real purpose and meaning in life. You find value and worth and significance as a child of God. And so if you're here today and you're ready to say yes, I wanna lead you in this prayer. It's a simple prayer, but we're gonna say it together. You're not going to say it alone. So come on, church, let's say this prayer for, with everyone that's saying it for the first time. Repeat it after me loudly and confidently. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I receive your son Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and conquered sin and death. I am now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap for everybody that said yes. Come on, church, let's stand to our feet as we get ready to go today. Thank God for air conditioning, amen? <laughs> Man, we'd be, it would be pretty terrible if we didn't have AC in here. Um, hey, I want you to know something. If you said yes to Jesus today, it is by far the greatest decision you ever made in your life. And we want to celebrate with you as a family. And so as you exit today, um, you, in the lobby, you're going to see people waving these Bibles. Make sure that you go up and say, hey, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And we'd love to bless you with this Bible. There's a resource in here for ways for you to get connected in the life of the church and how to not just attend, but to belong here, to call this your home. And, and, not knowing where all of you are in your journey, I, I know the heart of our Father is one to walk alongside you, and, and we want to do that as well. We want to walk with you in this journey. And if you're watching online, let the people, the pastors and the team know that you made a decision to follow Jesus. We'll send you this wherever you are. Uh, we'll send you this Bible and to encourage you in your journey as well. So church, before you go, let me pray for you. You stretch your hands to heaven, and let me pray for you before you go. Father, I thank you that you are for us and not against us. And Father, I know I say that quickly and I say that week in and week out, but may, the, may that expression, that simple expression that you are for us, 
May that just, may that overwhelm us. May that sink into our soul. May we recognize that the trials and the tribulations that we've experienced thus far in our life are not by your doing. It's not because you're angry at us and you don't care about us and you're indifferent. But may we recognize your words and may we recognize your own experience in this world. That he, you teach us that in this life we will have trouble, but you encourage us to take heart for you have overcome the world. In this season, Jesus, may we fix our eyes upon you. May we learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Father, go with us as we go this week. May we walk in victory. May we not be a victim. May we walk with hope and faith and strength in Jesus' name. God, we love you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray, a faithful church said. Amen. Amen, guys. God bless.